What is up, everyone? If this is your first time joining our show, welcome to Third Shot Podcast. If you're a repeat listener, thank you so much for your continued support and welcome back. Also, don't forget to subscribe or follow our show on your favorite podcast platform. Just search Third Shot Podcast. And while you're there, we love the ratings and the comments. So make sure you leave us some love. Five stars, please. Five stars. Five stars. (laughs) Today we have an extra special toast, don't we, Uncle? We do. Well, I kind of miss that Russ is not here to toast with us, but he is on vacation, so I'm sure he's enjoying the sun somewhere. But we are—he's not podcasting. (laughs) I know it's crazy. He's not barbecuing or podcasting right now, so he he must be doing something fun. So hopefully, when he comes back, he will share his uh, adventure with us. But we are celebrating. We're celebrating. Mm-hmm. We passed 5,000 downloads of our podcast. Congratulations, Bridgie. Woo, congratulations. Cheers. Cheers. And a big thank you to everybody who has downloaded, listened, liked, supported in any type of way. We could not have made it to 5,000 without them. Yeah, even if you listened and didn't like us, thank you for that one sign. The one time you did listen, and we'll <laughs> <Yeah>. take it. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but hopefully listen. most of you enjoyed the show. We try really hard to be entertaining and, and have a good time and have some great guests. That's the, the wonderful thing about this show is we have some really neat people on. We do. Yeah. We've been very fortunate to come across so many great people with really interesting stories and just, you know, kind of contributing to the pickleball community in any way possible, which is what we're trying to do, too. It's funny because a lot of people say, oh, you know, I got in it with the pandemic and, you know, or I used to be a <laughs> tennis player. And there, a lot of people are similar in a sense, but a lot of people, I mean, even with the similarities, they're very different. Right. Their personalities, their motivations, what they're bringing to the community is just very different. It's cool to get to know all these people. Yep. And we get to be a part of their pickleball experience too. Yeah. It's funny because they do come from different sports backgrounds like not Mm -hmm. everybody has a tennis background there's so many different backgrounds i thought you know why what what is it about sports and athletes in general that makes them attracted to pickleball and you know tell everybody like what did you play growing up yeah we've talked about it a little bit before but i don't think we've ever gotten to go into depth about our previous athletic history and <laughs> sports that we've played and maybe how it contributes to what we love to play now, pickleball. Yeah. So growing up, I was very much of a soccer player and softball. So two sports primarily. Um, soccer, I've played since I was six years old, all the way through high school. Um, I played on really competitive teams that was year round. Uh, multiple tournaments a month, traveling to different cities and states and playing. And it was quite the experience and it was super intense. Um, And similar with softball too, I was on a traveling team with softball. Um, And then, you know, got to college and decided "Ah, I'm just going to, you know, put that part of my life behind me. But it was still a really big part of my college experience because I was so involved with intramural sports and just playing sports recreationally. So I never really got away from playing. And now that I'm beyond 
my college years. Now I'm into pickleball. So it just kind of morphed its way. Um, but sports is still a really big part of my life. I mean, even in college, your intramural sports, you were doing it very competitively. I mean, you were on a, what, a flag football team, you guys. How far did you make it there? And then you're doing soccer, you're doing softball. I mean, you're doing a lot of sports, even intramural and at a high level. Yeah, so our um, intramural flag football team, um, shout out Hawaiian princesses. It's like <laughs> a legendary yeah. thing now at school. It's really funny. Um, but we had so many – because we – it was like the same core group of people on playing under the same name. And so it was just kind of like this known name amongst the small intramural uh, teams. Yeah. But I would play flag football. We are our co-rec team won the championship at our school. And so that gave us um, an entry into regionals. So regionals is usually held in Arizona or California, um, and this time it was at UCLA. And so we went down to UCLA as a team and it was so much fun. And you just get to play with against different teams in region six, um, which is kind of just the West coast. And we just, won. Just the West coast. Come on. <laughs> just the West coast. There's a lot of yeah. teams. Yeah. There's quite a few schools, um, but, but we ended up winning, which then gave us a bid into nationals. But unfortunately with timing and, being a college student, traveling is really tough. Um, and so we weren't able to go to nationals, but we did earn ourselves a position to go to nationals for flag football. And now you work in the rec department at UNLV. So did you have an idea like playing all these different sports that you wanted kind of the sports being in your career? No, that was not the intention at all when I started college. Uh, my intention was to go to med school and be a doctor. And that just threw me for a loop. Um, <laughs> while I was going to school and studying biology and kind of learning what it would take to become a doctor, I, I soon realized that that was not the career choice for me. Um, it's such an intensive life. And yeah, I didn't want to be a part of it. <laughs> I know I really love helping people, but I wouldn't be able to go home and have a stress-free environment. Like the way that my mind works, I would just be continuously thinking about work and I wouldn't be able to separate it. So yeah. and I'm like, well, what other ways can I still kind of be like helping people with their health? And for me growing up, that was always sports staying active. Um, it does a lot of preventative health care for a lot of people. So, you know, just being active in general. So then I started working at the rec center at UNLV. And that's kind of how I started getting my feet wet and seeing how, yeah, maybe this could be a career for me. And I've loved it ever since. Yeah, it's funny how our love for sports does turn into outside of just playing recreationally or, or competitively, because for me, you know, I love golf my whole life, right? I've, yes. I started playing golf, gosh, when I was probably 12, I think my godfather, my uncle Ross, God rest his soul, uncle Ross, I know you're looking down on me, taught me how to play golf. And he taught me the right way. I call him my golf Yoda. Right. He, he was a little man and he just knew so much and he could just, you know, instill how to play golf the right way. And he taught me at a very young age and I played competitively growing up, uh, high school, 
and then got into different clubs. And eventually that turned into a golf radio show of all things, right? And so I, I kind of parlayed this golf knowledge and competitive golf career that I had growing up into uh, having a chain of golf stores that we custom built golf clubs for people. And then eventually doing a golf radio show where I was kind of behind a microphone like we are today. And oh, getting to- I didn't know that. Yeah. So I did a golf radio show and um, did it for a number of years. And that was a blast. I had a fantastic time, but it's strange how you're, you know, I, I played a lot of sports growing up, but golf was the one that I could speak about. You know, I played baseball, you know, I played semi-pro baseball. I played football, I played basketball kind of on an intramural level and, you know, high school level. But then I um, really took golf as kind of a, a career move eventually. And it's just weird. It, you, you know, when I was playing it growing up, I never thought it would be part of a career that I would have. Right. It just kind of finds its way into your life. And I think because you're passionate about something that that's the best route to always go is it leads to so many other opportunities. And it's funny because when you mention golf, like I always think about you because growing up as a kid and, you know, you being my uncle, I would always associate golf with you. You were just great re- golf. Same thing. I, re- I remember, <laughs> I remember you asked uh, your auntie, my wife, you asked her, does uncle always wear like a golf shirt? because you would always see me in a golf shirt i don't know why that's funny he does (laughs) (laughs) and then she had to say no he wears other stuff too (laughs) but as a young as a young yeah i forgot i forgot how old you were you're probably like seven or eight years old and you go uncle always wear golf shirts (laughs) but you notice that about me that's too funny uh, so being Russ is not here, unfortunately, mm, yes. I'm going to fill his shoes for this episode and ask the most favored learning more question. Okay, let's, let's bring it on. Bring it on. All right. So this is in regards to golf, because that is your sport that led you somehow to pickleball. Okay. <laughs> How did I get to pickleball? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Many things happen between golfing and pickleball, but... I always wondered, because I'm not much of a golfer, I don't know anything about it, how do they determine what is the par for certain holes? Because it's all, it's never the same, it's, you know, a three or a four, and then, you know, I only know how to ask somebody after they said, oh, I, I went golfing this weekend, oh, were, were you above par or under par? That's just my <laughs> go-to question, because that's all I know. <laughs> But I don't know how they come up with those. All right. So usually it's based on the yardage of a hole. So if you can reach the green in one shot, then it's a par three. If it typically takes two shots to get to uh, a hole or to get to the green, then it's a par four. And if it typically takes three shots, then it's a par five. And it's usually based on yardage. So par three is somewhere, you know, it could be anywhere from 100 yards to, let's say, 220 yards. That's typically what you see as a par three. Par fours are usually over 300 yards and into the 400-yard range. And the par fives are usually in the high 400s or higher. Uh, But, you know, and then based on that, we'll determine what the par is, and that's the goal for that hole, really. Now, the good players will get under par. 
So on a par four, if they can get a three, that's a birdie. And, you know, that's what they're shooting for. If they get a two, that's an eagle, which is really fantastic. And if you're one stroke over par, you're a bogey. Or if you're two strokes over, you're double bogey. So most golf courses are par 72 for 18 holes. And when you're asking people, like, are you under par or over par? That's really what you're asking you is like, uh, are they under a 72 for their total score or over a 72 for the total score? So for those courses that are about 72, does it range? So are there courses that are above 72 or below 72? It's usually in that range, but most of the time they're 72 or less. Because of space, some courses tend to be a little shorter. So maybe they'll be a par 70. Um, you'll run across a, a couple of courses that are par 68. And then you get the par three courses, which are only just par threes. They're only short holes. And those are typically par 27s for nine holes or 54s for 18. But most of the par three courses are usually nine holes, not a full 18. I think I need that par 20. What was it? Par 27. Par 27. Well, I can't believe, you know, as athletic as you are and as long as, you know, I've known you your whole life, I never took you golfing. Yeah, what the heck? (laughs) I I feel like I'm such a bad uncle right now. I should have taken you golfing. We should go to Top Golf. We, yeah, we should go to Top Golf, and they have one up here. They have one down there, so there's no excuse for us not to go to Top Golf. And we didn't mention that you and I played on a championship kickball team together. Oh yeah, the championship, the Diggers and the Daddies. That's right. That was our team name. <laughs> I was a daddy. What were you? Uh- <laughs> I guess I was a Digger because I'm not a daddy. <laughs> That was so much fun. That was so much fun. I mean, that was a big part of our life. We just got to play a lot of different sports and we got to do it together. Yes. And now we get to do the show together and we've got a great show coming up. Who do we have on next? Well, we have a really special person that we both met at the Las Vegas Open. Um, I got to play against her. Her name is Coco Ferrari, and she's got an incredible story to tell. And you know what? She's a pretty good athlete. I would say she's an excellent athlete. Can't wait to share her story when we come back. Coco Ferrari. Hi, it's Uncle Greg and Bridgie from Third Shot Podcast. We want to tell you about a new game, a modified version of America's fastest growing sport. A game that you can set up and play anywhere you want. In the park, in your yard, or our favorite, on the beach. It's called Sandy Pickle, which is simply pickleball played on soft surfaces, like grass and sand. Using the same balls and paddles, Sandy Pickle is an all-volley version of pickleball played on a higher net. It comes as a portable set that includes four paddles, four balls, a sturdy frame and net, and boundary markers. And if you use our code, you'll get 10% off. Just enter Third Shot 10, that's Third Shot and the number 10, at checkout and get your discount. Go to sandypickle.com and get your game. Welcome back to Third Shot. Please check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Third Shot Podcast or on Twitter at Third Shot Pod. You know, Bridgie, um, you remember when we played in the Las Vegas Open, right? Yes, so much fun. Great tournament. It was a great tournament. And I said, all right. My partner, Greg, says, Greg, you got to play singles. You got to go in and play singles, right? I go, okay, I'll try it out. I haven't done it before. It's a great experience. So I sign up. 
And I look on the board and my first match is against a guy named Connor Burke. And I'm going, <laughs> oh, like is, uh, how good is Connor Burke going to be? I was like, I was, I was going, getting intimidated already. The name sounded so intimidating, Connor Burke. So I get out to the court that I was assigned to. And I see this lovely lady walk up in her Canada jersey. <laughs> and and I go, oh, you, you, do you want to warm up here? And she goes, yeah, can I warm up? And I go, yeah, I'm waiting for uh, this guy named Connor. And she goes, I'm Connor. I go, what? <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I, I was like, what's going on? So our next guest, I want her to tell the story, had to be Connor Burke for a reason. But her real pickleball name is Coco Ferrari. So welcome, Coco. Hey, guys. Thanks for How having me. I'm doing great. It's great to see you guys. Well, before we get into the story, please join us for a toast. Here's to pickleball. And here's to being our first international guest in yes, Canada. Awesome. Thank you. Celebrate. Congratulations. Cheers. Thanks, guys. So tell everybody what the story was. Why did why were you Connor Burke? Well, I had entered into the uh, singles match uh, in the women's event, and a couple of days prior to the to, to us leaving for the event, I get an email from the, t the uh, tournament director, and she says that the women had pulled out, and that I was the only woman left in the tournament, and I could stay in the tournament and play singles w under an alias in the men's event or I could pull out entirely. So I went, I'm coming to play women's doubles. I'm not just going to end with women's doubles. I'm coming to play singles. I'll be there. So That's she says, amazing. okay, the one issue is we have to change your name. We can't put you in under Coco Ferrari. We have to put it under something else. So she made up a name for somebody else or somebody else that's in that, that plays under their, um, in their um, division down there. So she used that name, but gave me the email address. It was all very <laughs> confusing. So when I arrived, I was the only woman standing in amongst all these men when the tournament director was tell, you know, telling everybody to have a good game and everything. And I'm standing there and he's just talking to all the guys. And I finally went up to him and said, can you please tell everybody that there's a woman playing and it's me? And so he finally, I don't know if you remember that part, but he finally said something because I'm standing there with all these men around me going... What's this woman doing standing here? <laughs> I must have missed the message. I, but I, you know, you totally surprised me when you walked up. Yeah. So I played in the men's 3.0 in Vegas and came in fourth. You held your own and for yeah. sure got fourth place, but also first place too, because technically you yeah, got I, first place in the women's singles. I did. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, you're at the top of the podium. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a fun event. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was hot down there. I didn't expect that. But I uh, didn't expect it to be that hot for that time of year because that was in March, I think. Yeah. yeah, that was back in March. Dates. Yeah, yeah. That was so fun. was that your first tournament? That was my first tournament, um, playing pickleball. I had been in other tournaments in other sports. I come from a very big background in sports. I've always played Um various different um, sports in my life. Um, I switched over to pickleball last summer and it was um, after my, my favorite uh, pet had died and I couldn't sit around the house any longer and I had to get out and do something. So when I 
picked up a paddle, ordered the men off of Amazon. And I said to my neighbor, we were playing in one of our little side streets here down in, in the neighborhood we live in. So we're just down the driveways hitting, hitting balls. balls. I think we should go up to the courts. <laughs> so we went up there not knowing any rules, just went up there and just slammed the ball because we were both, sing- we were both uh, tennis ball, tennis players. And we oh, just slammed the ball back and forth. And somebody finally came up to us and said, do you guys want to play some doubles? I've never played before. So they said, oh, well, you know, we'll just join us and we'll work with you. That was it. Took off. You were hooked. I was hooked. So besides yeah. tennis, did, did you play other sports as well, too? Oh, it's a long list. Okay. Um, I started at eight years old playing ice hockey. Wow. Girls ice hockey. I played that for a long time. I went to the Nationals twice playing hockey. Um, I played lacrosse, started playing lacrosse, box lacrosse. I don't, it's field lacrosse down in the States. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So this is pre-field lacrosse. or people weren't playing field lacrosse yet. So we played, I played box lacrosse and went to the Nationals a couple of times with that. And then we introduced field lacrosse to Stanford University in the 80s. You so guys did. did. We did our box lacrosse team that was, yeah. So we went down on a bus and we played field lacrosse against the Stanford University women's team that was just being put together to play us. And so we went down there and played them. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. And then other sports, I've played volleyball, basketball, um, hockey, field, field hockey, um, squash, racquetball, everything. Just, well, you can tell when you're on the court uh, that you are very athletic. Like yeah. you cover a lot of ground. We were playing singles and you were covering the entire court better than I was. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you, you. You, you were fantastic out there. So what made you decide, hey, let's start playing tournaments? You just fa- barely started playing pickleball in general. It was funny. One night um, after playing pickleball, I think it was like a Friday night and it was probably in January and we all went to the pub after um, playing in January in in, uh, in Tawasin here. And somebody said to me, um, Cheryl, my partner that you met down yeah. in uh, Vegas, said, hey, there's a tournament in Vegas. And I had just met Cheryl. <laughs> I literally Andy. just met her that weekend. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And we were sitting with a group of people, though, and they everybody seemed to know her because she had been away or something for the winter. And she said, there's a tournament down in Vegas. You want to go? And I'm going, oh, yeah, sure. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 I'll go. So the next day she calls me up. She goes, okay, you need to book your flight and blah, 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 blah. And that's the next thing I, I'm going through all the steps. <laughs> and next thing I know, I'm going, I'm going to Vegas to play pickleball with somebody I don't know. And it was then my son ended up coming. You guys met Seth. And yeah. uh, I said, here, you're coming and you get the camera. <laughs> Yeah, tell us. So we did get to meet Seth. We did get to meet Cheryl. Can you tell us a little bit more um, about Seth? Because he was out there with the camera and I did get to see some really cool pictures of uncle that he took. But just share with our guests a little bit about what he does. About about what Seth does? Well, Seth's a rapper. He's a rapper. (laughs) I'm going to give you a plug. He's a good rapper. I started listening to him. Yeah, he's very, his, his lyrics are amazing. Like he's, he, he writes, he's always been a great writer and he's always been a great reader. So he um, is Seth Jacks, J-A-X-X. And um, yeah, he's got some great tunes out there um, that uh, he's getting lots of plays. He's on Spotify, he's on SoundCloud and he's in the recording studio all the time doing his thing. <laughs> and That's so amazing. He comes, yeah, he comes to the, my, my tournaments as my photographer and videographer. 
Well, tell him thank you for taking some great shots of of us playing, and and he got some great single shots of me playing, and it nice. was uh, it was really nice. So was, yeah. he shared it with us, and tell him thank you. I will. Uh, so, what was the whole you know experience like for you in Las Vegas? It was your first tournament. You played mm-hmm. singles. You played doubles. Tell us yeah. what was it like. Um, it was uh, challenging for me. I felt more comfortable playing the singles than I did in the doubles probably because the singles was held after I played doubles, of course, right? And what I found um, in, in Vegas, uh, playing at a different, a different place I've never played before, the music was loud, <laughs> right? I was not used to that. Uh, the traffic that was on the other side of the court, like it was like a highway right there, and there was big trucks that were going by, and that was like, it was like, whoa, my sensories were all, my senses were just like firing and firing, the wind and the lines on the tennis courts drove me absolutely. My mind was just working overtime, trying to get beyond that. So our first couple of games were challenging and and we didn't really start gelling together until I think our third or fourth game. I think our third game was a really good turnaround for us. And we took that game and, and what the other team started doing. I love being, I love it when someone's hitting the ball at me. I love that feeling when they're just driving it at me because then I can just pop them back and reset them. I love that feeling. And that's how I warm up today. Like I've got another one of my partners that we just stand at the kitchen line and just pound the ball back and forth at each other, just volleying it back and forth. And it just gets us both fired up and ready to go. Our warmups are 20, 30 minutes long. Wow. What else have you incorporated into your warmup? Because going into, into tournaments, I had no idea how to warm up. I had uncle there to kind of guide me through what he likes to do to get himself warmed up. But what's worked for you? Um, Well, in Vegas, um, Cheryl and I were doing uh, like lots of serves, getting the serve out, like especially when you're dealing with the wind. And there was a bit of wind down there in Vegas that I was, I and up until the last um, month or two, because we get, it gets windy here. I was always having a challenge with the wind and it was really bothering me. So I'm just, I've just sort of worked my way through that and I'm keeping the ball a lot lower, especially on my serve. I got a very deep, hard serve. So that's what I drill to the back. Um, but for our warm up, so we do serve, we do um, dinking to start. Then we do the, 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 the rally back and forth. We just call it the, the gunfight back and forth. Um, we do third shot drops with that, or, you know, the, somebody's just moving back along the, um, you're, you're facing each other. One person's just moving back and you're just dropping the ball. Um, to that, to your drop, they're uh, sorry, you're dropping the ball to them, and then they're just trying to hit it at your feet. So we do that for our warm up. We do cross court, just something that keeps your, you know, get rid of that extra energy before a tournament, because that's usually, if you see me in a game, my I'm like this, and it's you know the adrenaline to, gets you. Oh, my <laughs> adrenaline goes so high. And, you know, people have said, like, that's hard on your adrenals. It's like, well, what do you want me to do? Like, How do you fix that? <laughs> or fight. Like, I'm either going to leave or I'm going to stay here and fight. So I think you want me here. <laughs> well, since you played so many other sports, did you notice that adrenaline rush in other sports prior to playing pickleball? I'm trying to remember that. I don't think so in, in the team sports so much. Um, because you had, you, you were so close to the, you know, your niche group of people that you played with. I played, I played at a very high level of hockey. So I was a center and a center is a two-way person, two-way yeah. player. So I was down and back and off 
So right. I, my shifts were always very quick down, you know, down the ice, hopefully get a goal and get back, bust your ass to get back and then get off the ice. So I think that's where, you know, getting rid of that adrenaline, yeah. you have a chance because to How long were your shifts typically before you got off the ice? Oh, I bet you they were, I was not somebody that could stay out there for long periods of time because I was so intense. So the first opportunity that I had to get, if we were, if we were, had already been in their end, because we were doing a change and you're going into their end, I would be in there. You have your, you know, your 30 seconds in their end kind of thing. And then you're busting back and then you're off. So I was probably a 45 second, 50 second player. I was always a short distance runner, never long distance. And the same with lacrosse. A lot of times in lacrosse, I was only used for offense. Um, mm. I played one time through a season with a broken arm. <laughs> so oh my wife, gosh. I wasn't you allowed. You were intense. <laughs> yeah. um, that was from a motorcycle accident. But um, yeah, so the other team, the opposing team was going after my arm all the time. So I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to check, which drove me crazy. So because I always had to come off and I'd be like, I want to check them back. They're hitting me. I want to <laughs> yeah, get was your revenge. About six weeks. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, you sound like a very intense and very athletic person. So have you been playing in any tournaments since we got to see you in March? Yeah. So we went to uh, Mount Vernon, which was called the Tulip Tussle that we attended. And I played in that one with um, one of my partners and we got uh, gold in the women's 3060 up. Congratulations. Yeah. And then did I play singles down there? I didn't play singles in that tournament. I don't believe I played singles in that one. And then we went to Vernon, British Columbia, which was two weeks ago. And I got uh, fourth with Cheryl in women's 3-0. Unfortunately, we lost one game and we were out. Fourth? And we got yeah, and we were out. We didn't get, even get to go into any kind of a playoff. There's no oh double one, elimination or no, no one wow. game out of three. There were so many teams in it. There were four pools of six, I guess. That's and a pretty we, big tournament. That was a pretty big tournament. It was over 700, I think, in that tournament. But wow. I got us. I played in the women's singles there, 3.0, and played against one of my partners here that I won the gold with in Mount Vernon. So okay. I had to play against her. And I got a silver in that tournament playing against a woman that is uh, rated a 4.5 in mixed, a 4.0 in women's doubles, and 3.5 in singles. Hmm. Hmm. I got. I want to. I got a follow-up question to that, yeah. but we got to take a short break. So uh, let's come back with Coco Ferrari, and uh, I want to find out about this whole 4-5 playing in a 3-5 or 3-0. So anyway, when we come back, more with Coco Ferrari. Listen up, pickleball people. You can't slay on the court and look sloppy at the same time. Thank goodness for pickleball athletes and their sweet styles. Whether you want long sleeves, no sleeves, or funky and fun prints, pickleball athlete has got you covered. Their selection is perfect for the super serious players or the jokers out there. And they don't just stop at clothes either. Check out their awesome accessories that would make fabulous gifts for your favorite player. Or for yourself, let's be real. And hey, you get to feel good about supporting a small business too. Find them at pickleballathlete.com. Be sure to also follow on Facebook and Instagram. 
back to Third Shop Podcast. We're here with our first international guest, Coco Ferrari. And before the break, she was telling us about her tournament play and kind of the different levels that we get to see at different tournaments. And we've got some follow-up questions. But before we get into that, it's our favorite time, Third Shot. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so, Coco, before the break, you had mentioned that, you know, the woman that landed up taking gold in the singles tournament, she was rated a, what'd you say, a 4 or 5? Mixed. And, yeah. And 4 yeah. 0 doubles. Women's doubles. Yeah. And then 3 5 singles. Like, yeah, we I don't we, get how we this all works. And I played in, in a couple of tournaments. Now, Bridgie and I have played in a few, right? And sometimes we get in there and like we're playing at a 3-0 or 3-5 or whatever level we're playing in. And we're going, okay, this team is just way better than than they should be in our division, right? There, there's no way. They're at least 4s, 5-0s. You know, they're really good. Do you see in the three tournaments you played in a lot of sandbagging going on and these Lots. self ratings? Oh, the big time. Big, big, big time. I'm, what I'm trying to do is build my ratings based on the tournaments that I get into. And in pickleball brackets, it's I'm rated as a 3-0 because I went in, I self-rated myself as a 3-0 in women's, in singles, and in mixed. And pickleball brackets is a rating system that you're using similar to Duper, right? I believe so, yes. It's where we see all the different tournaments and they keep all the stats and everything in there. So it shows and they update your, your statistics every two months, I believe. So right now my future rating is a 3.58, I think, for women for women's doubles and a 3.25 for women's singles. And I haven't played any mixed doubles yet, so it's still sitting at a 3.0 or something. So there's nothing that's affecting that. So when, when I've gone into tournaments and I look up other players that I'm playing and you see they're a 3.0, in in women's singles, but their their future rating is like a three point five eight nine or something, and they're still you know it's up to it's really up to the tournament director from what I understand to move these people up, but they don't. And to me, it just looks like there's something wrong with this. Um, when they've played in tournaments, if they're self-rated, then I don't think they should be moving up. But if they're playing in tournaments, then definitely somebody should be saying, hey, you can't enter this event when you've got three or four golds and you want to play against people that haven't medaled or haven't played in any tournaments and you want to play against them. I just don't think that's fair. And I've seen that happen several times. And in fact, in a recent tournament that I was in, my partner got sick and he was going to make it up there. And he's seven, he was 76 years old. So I said, do not, do not get in the vehicle and do not drive four hours to get to this tournament. Your health is far more important than that. So I went to the tournament director and said, um, I'd like to, you know, I told him the situation. I said, do you have anybody that you could potentially match me with? And they found somebody and I met them and I thought this isn't going to work. There was various reasons why I didn't think it was going to work. So I found some local people and said, do you know of anybody that might be able to play with me? They've made a couple of phone calls and they said they found somebody. And so we went to the tournament director and they, the tournament directors, two of them said to me, 
if, and this woman that had found this guy for me said, if he can bring his rating down, he's never played mixed doubles before, but if he can bring his rating down to 3.0, he just has to go into pickleball brackets and do it. Bring your rating down to 3.0 and then you can play with Coco. So we do all this. We, and the tournament director says, it's looked after. You guys are in tomorrow. And it was like within 18 hours I was playing. So morning of, I haven't even met this guy yet. I'm going to go meet him to go and warm up with him before we get into this tournament. I arrived there. He sees me because I sent him a picture of me. And he sees me and he goes, Coco, we're out. I go, what do you mean we're out? Why are we out? He goes, I don't know what happened. We go find the tournament director. No, no explanation, no nothing. The local guy says to me, I know why we're out. Because the two people who have won four golds that are playing 3.0 don't want any competition. How Guess did they who won the tournament? What did they huh? do to get you out of there? They just took, you're gone. You're out. Wow. Oh my gosh. There's is- got to be some regulation. Whoever that tournament director is needs to grow a spine. Yeah. Two of them did it. There were two of them. We spoke to both of them and they moved us in there. I saw our names to be playing together. Both of us listed there at 7 a.m. in the morning. They pulled us out because somebody went and complained. And the people that went and complained were the people that won. Uh, That's not fishy at all. Going back. (laughs) Man. You drove four hours to be taken out of a tournament. Right before it happened. Yeah. So I played women's doubles with Cheryl, and then I played singles and won the silver. But I wanted to play in the mixed doubles with my partner who, you know, I could have said, no, come on up, cough on everybody else, make everybody (laughs) sick. (laughs) Like, who cares? (laughs) No, I said, just stay home. Your health is far more important. And they, they kicked me out. Oh, my gosh. I think it's situations like these that kind of, put a stigma on tournament play and kind of make people not want to sign up and participate in them because they're just as happy going to the courts and having some great recreational matches and and put them rather that than put themselves through the the issues and the trouble that you had gone through. Yeah. Yeah. For me, what that, all that does to me is it's like you poked me in the eye. I'm coming back. I know who you are. I'm coming back and beating them. I would take them out. Yeah, oh yeah. Like I love that spirit. That's just who I am. <laughs> yeah. So, so go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so now that you've kind of gotten a few tournaments under your belt, what's your overall assessment of tournament play? You know, you've come to Vegas, you've done a few in Canada. What's been your, your general assessment of them? Um, I've grown a lot, I've learned a lot. Um the nerves kind of thing. The last tournament, there wasn't much there. Like I wasn't that nervous. I think the fight or flight, like Cheryl still sees it in me. She goes, you're freaking shaking. <laughs> I'm like, it's fight or flight at this moment. That's all it is. <laughs> um, but I, the other thing I wanted to bring up is I've learned when you have referees, what they're, what they're allowed to call. Okay. Right? So I had one incident where they were calling and, for, and, I, and I ask lots of questions, right? So when they, the referees come up and they start talking to you about what they're going to call, how the game's going to go, um, certain things that they're looking for and things like that, what one referee was doing was calling the sidelines. And they're not supposed to do that. Hmm. They're supposed to be really looking at the service line and the kitchen line mm-hmm. 
They're not calling anything else unless you have two referees there. You can challenge a call that they've called, that your opponent has called out or, or something, right? And then if they've seen it, they will overrule it. If you've challenged it, they will, they'll tell you if, it was, if they saw it, if it's in or out. What I found is this one referee was calling the sideline. And I was just like, well, wait a minute, you're not supposed to be doing that. And it was something I learned later. I, you know, I questioned it again and again and again, and I found out, no, they're not supposed to be calling it. So, and it was thing. only that one referee in that tournament that was doing that. It was one tournament, yeah, a recent one where they were doing that. So it's but things the that other I referees heard. within the same tournament weren't calling sidelines, or was that the only referee you had? The that was whole the only tournament? referee that was, and then oh, okay. they stopped. Gotcha. They didn't do it again after I went. Um, I don't think you're supposed to be doing that. Um, and I think they also called the center line once. So what I've really learned in the last two two uh, that I've been in, and Cheryl's been a great uh, teacher of this because she's been in more um, tournaments than I have, is challenging calls, especially challenging calls that the other team is making. So you mm-hmm. can go to the ref and, and you know, like if something's out, call it out, something's in, and they've called it out, challenge it. Learn to challenge the call. And you can't challenge too many you can challenge everyone that's on that baseline on the opposing on the opposing end if you think they're in challenge them right well that would have came in handy uncle in our past tournament i the know last one that we were in i know yeah. we got kind of ripped off a couple times no referees oh no referees hard to challenge the call but you can but like what happened in vegas we had an incident that happened in vegas where um the ball was out on my side and, you know, when you're in the middle of a swing and you called it out, you swing, you hit it back over and they kept playing it. Right. And we're going, well, we, I called it out and you're still hitting the ball. He's like, but I called it out and everybody over here heard me, but the people on the back didn't hear because the music was on, the traffic right. was on behind. So they didn't hear it. Next thing we know, they've got four extra points. It's like, how did you go from four to eight? With the- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It just it Only just happened in Vegas, Bridgie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> Which actually but, brings me to the next question is like, okay, you played in Vegas, you played a couple other venues in, you know, one or two of them were in Canada. Is there a, just a different feel, a different vibe? I mean, Vegas was like you said, the music was going, you know, it was a, it was a yeah. certain feel out there. Is there a different vibe in the different sure, tournaments you played? Vibe. I think for anybody crossing the line going to play, well, we've done two in the U.S. now. Okay. Right? So we did Mount Vernon, Washington, and we did Vegas. And we've got one coming up next weekend, and we've done, um, we've done one in Vernon as well. Um, the different vibe, I think, is just that you're traveling. I think it's just sort of that feel that you have that you've left home and you're going somewhere else and you're going to the States to play. It would probably be no different if I was going to Europe to play. Mm-hmm. going you know on a big tournament so the vibe is a little bit different um in that you're you know you've left home <laughs> you're not uh, especially when you're not sleeping in your own bed you're not eating your you know you're not eating the same foods you would normally eat you're eating out a lot more i like a very bland diet especially when i'm playing i'd like to stick to a, the basics yeah, that would definitely impact playing. And it takes me back. I used to play travel soccer. And mm-hmm. yeah, when you're away from home, it is a different feel because you have to make those adjustments of sleeping someplace else, waking up earlier, bringing certain foods with you. 
but it's still so fun like going to to play in California with uncle it was a really good time and you all got to come out and and see Vegas along with playing in the tournament so you know benefits and not so great things (laughs) it's getting the right rest you need too when you're away yes you know getting those good night sleeps I get in trouble when I travel because as everybody knows, I'm looking for the best restaurants and, you know, where I can eat at. And I, yeah, I'm not a good person. I'm eating way too much before and after every (laughs) tournament. (laughs) It's hard to keep up with him. (laughs) The last tournament in, no, in um, um, Mount Vernon, we all went out for Mexican food the night before. Never again. Oh, Oh. again. No, not the kind of thing. I should have stuck to pasta. I should have said, no, I'm having pasta only and plain (laughs) pasta. That's it. Salt and pepper. Well, my doubles partner in that Vegas tournament, we had never met. We met on Instagram, uh, but we had never played together. And the night before the tournament, he flew into Vegas and we went out for Mexican and we had the best street tacos and we just went nuts. The two of us ate too many street tacos. It was not good for us. No. Luckily, though, if you remember, the first day of the tournament got rained out. Right. Yeah. So we didn't have to play the first day, and it gave us a day to recuperate from all the eating. No, you guys got lucky. We did. (laughs) Certain foods are dangerous. Let's just say that. So I was also wondering, Coco, because pickleball is relatively new to you still. What's next for you? Are you going to continue going to tournaments? Are you going to focus on maybe – Winning another nationals, putting that under your belt. What's oh, the plan? Uh, yeah, I'm plan. I've got seven tournaments ahead of me over the next three months, I think. So I'm wow. playing three. I think there's three singles matches in there, maybe four. Um, and the rest, I'm kind of moving around with different partners that I play with. Um, I have three women partners and two male partners now that are still trying to get into my first mixed tournament with with them and I've got my singles so yeah I want to get to um I want to see how far I can go um but uh you know I've I'm I'm at retirement age I really should you know and I still work so it's uh something that I want to continue to do and keep playing until I can't Have, have you ever taken any lessons yeah I've done some lessons locally here um I was playing with a 4.5 this morning and a 4.0, a woman 4.0, and she plays a 4.5, I think. And I think her husband was a 5.0. They used to be my neighbors and bumped into them on the court today. And it's like, hey. And they said, hey, come on out. Let's, 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 ha- let's work together. Let's play some, some pickleball. So they were giving my partner and I, one of my partners and I, some great tips today. It was awesome. Just awesome. And just seeing that that style of play at that level, right? Because in, in, in women's three, we play 3.5 at home. I play 3.0 in tournaments because I'm building my rating. Um, in the 3.5 level that we play at, we keep getting told we're hitting the ball too hard. Mm. We're, we're big, you know, we're ten, some of us are old tennis players and I like to drive the ball, but we're getting to that. If you want to get any better than where you are now, you've got to reset the ball. You've got to do your drops. You've got to reset. And so that's what we're, we're working on. So there's a big learning curve there. You're almost going to get worse before you get better. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And it's been so great to see you again. Uh, If you are ever back in Las Vegas, 
or Northern California, make sure you reach out to both of us. Absolutely. It's been yeah. so fun. And I think that's the really great part of pickleball too in the community is that you meet such great people along the way and you get to build those connections. Yeah, yeah I agree, Bridgie. You meet a lot of cool people, but Coco's one of the coolest. So I'm so <laughs> right? happy that we got you to Vegas athlete. and I'm so happy we got you on the show. No, I'm so honored to be here and it was great playing against you, Greg. Thank you for being such a gentleman on the court. It was awesome to play with you. It was fun. Hopefully we can do it again somehow. Someday we will. All right. Let's do that. <laughs> and all of you listening to the show, thank you for joining us at Third Shot, where Bridgie and I will continue to share our pickleball journey. A really special thanks to Coco for joining us today. It was a lot of fun catching up with her. Check Coco out on Instagram at coco.ferrari. That's spelled at C-O-C-O dot F-E-R-R-A-I-I. And uh, please follow her. She's got uh, some great posts of her pickleball journey. And please support this show by subscribing. And we promise to have more amazing guests like Coco in the future episodes. So let's continue to share our enjoyment for the game and grow the pickleball community. See you next time at Third Shot Podcast.